Would you pray with me? Father, we just thank you for this morning and the opportunity to be together in community. And Lord, we recognize, we acknowledge that we're, we're coming into this place from, from all sorts of different experiences and, and we bring with us all the, the, the pressures and the anxieties, the, the joys and the fears, the moments of celebration and the moments of pain. We're coming in with all of that this morning. And so Holy Spirit, would you just meet us in that? Lord, would you speak with clarity that we might receive from you this morning? Lord, I, I pray that for our high school kids and our leaders that are away on a retreat this morning, Lord, would you, would you continue to speak truth over them? Would continue to do your transformative work there and here? Meet us in this place. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Every once in a while, you hear one of these stories or see something come across the news where you see somebody who has this possession that is turns out to be like immensely valuable, but they just didn't know it for the longest time. Uh, there was another one of these stories. It's actually old. I just saw it this week. Uh, it was like in 2011, I think there was a, a man in London, and uh, he had this bronze pot in his home that he been there for years. Actually, his grandfather, um, years before that, saw it in an auction house, and they were using it in the auction house to prop open the door. And he just said to him, kind of uh, off the top, like, how much for that? And, and he bought it for a couple of pounds. And they're like, oh, you know. So he gives him it. He had it in his home for years. Eventually, he gave it to his grandson. And uh, after this man had passed away, the, the grandson started to wonder what the story was. And it happened that in London at the time, uh, the BBC show Antique Roadshow, and you've seen that on PBS and that sort of thing, happened to be in town. So he's like, I just had a curiosity, right? And so he takes this bronze pot in to be evaluated by the expert. And the expert uh, identified this bronze pot as uh, a Chinese piece from the Yuan era, so like 12, mid-12th century to 13th century era. He said, this is the oldest piece of bronze pottery we've ever seen on this show. He said this thing, it would value kind of at auction right now somewhere around 15,000 pounds or $17,000, right? He's been holding his door open with this, like, for the longest time. And I, I mention that because I wonder if when it comes to our uh, approach to our understanding of the practice and experience of prayer, if we aren't doing the same thing access to something of immense value and yet operating kind of completely oblivious to what we've been given. I, I would venture to guess that if I did a quick survey of this room, that our experiences with and our expectations for prayer would probably cover a wide range. For some of you sitting here this morning, Prayer in your experience has been a, a highly relational, highly personal, highly communicative, life-giving experience where you enter into the presence of God. For others of us, right, you, you feel about prayer the same way you feel about flossing. Like you know you're supposed to do it, but you're not fully sure why. And when it happens, it's, it's mostly out of guilt rather than out of opportunity, and, and in the case of both, flossing and prayer, they have a tendency to increase like a week before we're supposed to go to the dentist, right? 
And still for others of us, prayer has left us confused, disillusioned, and disappointed. Maybe you have prayed earnestly for something, genuinely sought God, and you've been left wondering what for. What did it do? What did anything change? And really, in reality, for most of us, if, if you have been walking with Jesus for a while, if you've experienced prayer over the course of different seasons of life, I would guess for many of us, we would find some portion of all three of those that we relate to. Or some mix of it. We're continuing in our series that we've been a part of this fall called The Way. As we're looking at what we're exploring, what it means to live as an apprentice or a disciple of Jesus. So how do we, how do we as Jesus followers in, in the 21st century, how do we pattern our lives after his life and after his kingdom? And at the outset, I, I borrowed some language. You'll remember this from John Mark Comer and J uh, Dallas Willard. And I summarize this idea of, of apprenticeship or discipleship, the process that we are a part of that we're talking about, and kind of these three categories of being with Jesus. Remember, we talked from John 15, how Jesus invites us to abide in the vine. Like we are the branches, abide in him. To be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and then to do what Jesus did. And as I think about these three categories of being with him and becoming like him, when the Holy Spirit is producing in us the character of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit, as he, as he continues his work of sanctification, and, and then ultimately doing the things that he did, all three of these, what is foundational and essential in all of them is, is prayer. So this morning, I want to just kind of, we're going to bounce around the gospel of Luke a, a little bit, and I want to just think about Jesus, the, the, the type of prayer that Jesus modeled and ultimately the type of prayer that he taught us. If you have your Bibles, we can turn to Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Jesus is in the midst of, of his ministry being launched. It's growing and this is Crowds are starting to gather, verse 15, but the news about him spread even more. And large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Yet oftentimes he withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Now turn over to chapter 6, verse 12. Similarly, during those days he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. Now flip over to chapter 11. Verse 1, he was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. He said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. This is the CSB that I'm, I'm reading from. You're probably familiar with like, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. So Luke's gospel records kind of a more succinct version of, of the Lord's prayer here. 
And I want to just take some moments to think as we talk about, again, this living in the way according to Jesus. What do we learn from his life? And the first thing that I want to point out here is we discover this rhythm of prayer. In the life of Christ, we see a rhythm of prayer. So in our, in our apprenticeship to Jesus, as we learn to do the things that, that Jesus did, right, we, we look at his life, we see what he valued, how he spent his time, and we want to integrate those things into our own lives. We want to emulate that. When, when I was a kid, every, everybody when they're a child, right, you, you're looking to somebody who, who you look up to in order to kind of figure out what life looks like. I have this picture of me and my dad. You can't really see my dad. It, sweet rust-colored robe, though, by the way. Am I right? Like, and he's shaving in the morning. I don't, my mom must have taken this picture, but I'm just, I, I, it always captures this idea for me because I'm just, I'm looking up. I wanted to, he was my sort of like, little kid hero before I had heroes in other places. Like I wanted to see, so when he's mowing the lawn, I'm out there with my little toy lawnmower walking behind him, you know, and, and when he's working on the car, I'm laying underneath the car with him and learning about tools and, and all these sorts of things, the things that he, I wanted to emulate what it was that, that he was doing. By the way, when my dad was working on the car, you know, Working on a car can bring out a side of you that maybe you shouldn't emulate always. But my dad, when something like when a, a bolt was like just stuck, rusted solid, that kind of thing, like my dad's version of just losing it was that he would say something is Mickey Mouse. Like this thing, throw a wrench. This thing is so Mickey Mouse. And like I, that's when I was a kid, like, whoa, whoa, dad, like you dropping the double M here? Like let's just all calm down. Let's go get, let's take a break, you know. I'm glad that's what I learned from my dad, you know. I later grew up to know Mickey Mouse is a fine guy, and I don't know. Right, when we experience the life of Christ, as we, as we read the story throughout the Gospels, we see this rhythm, this rhythm of engagement, of ministry, of teaching, of activity, and healing around people and crowds. And then we see Jesus just withdrawing to secluded places to be alone with his Father and to pray. In fact, nine times in the Gospel of Luke do we see moments when Jesus just pulls away in order to just get time alone to pray. Oftentimes we see it when there are high demands on his time and his attention. When the crowds are gathering, they want to see him. Other times we see it when when the uh, opposition is, is most intense and we just see Jesus stepping away from the chaos to pray. There's a pattern that's repeated throughout his life and throughout his ministry. And then we are a people that are seeking to be those who follow his pattern, who are learning to do what it is that Jesus did. And what I find so interesting and, and, and compelling in all of this is when when the disciples are watching Jesus live out this pattern, right? And Jesus comes back from this time of prayer. Like the request of one of the, the, the disciples in this moment after seeing this rhythm lived out is they say, Lord, would you, would you teach us to pray? Right? Now, 
that's interesting because Jesus' disciples, you know, the 12 and then the, the larger gathering of people around him, they were primarily Jewish men and women. They, they had been taught to pray from the time they were a child. They had seen their parents pray throughout the day. They had, they had been in synagogue and heard rabbis pray. But there is something about the prayer life of Jesus that is distinct and unique. And they say, teach us to pray the way you pray. You speak to God in a way that, that we don't understand that's different. Can you teach us to, to pray like you pray? Now, to be fair, it was, it was not uncommon for disciples of a particular rabbi to learn from them a certain framework for prayer. We even see that mentioned here. So John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. But there's something that they see in the life of Christ, in the life of Jesus, in this, this rhythm of prayer that is so unique that they want to learn from their rabbi. And they ask Jesus, will you, will you teach us? We, we want to pray like you pray. Can you teach us that? By the way, as, as far as I can remember... Um, this is the only moment when we really see the disciples specifically ask Jesus, can you, can you teach us how to do this? And there's a moment when, when they are ministering to people and they're facing some um, demonic oppression and they're, like, they're struggling, like, we don't know how to handle this. And they, they come to Jesus. But this is the only time I can think of where they just approach Jesus and say, can you teach us how to do this? There's no record of them. Can you teach us how to heal people or how to speak the way you speak? Can you, like, can you teach us how to pray? And so he does. The second thing that we see is Jesus teach his disciples how to pray. Again, this is back in, in Luke chapter 11. He gets the question, Lord, teach us to pray. Verse 2, he said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father... Your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we, also, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. Now one of the, one of the pitfalls of familiarity right? something that we know from the time we're a child is that it, it can enable us to lose sight of purpose. And these verses, along with the more extended version in Matthew chapter 6, these are some of the most well-known verses in all of Scripture. Many of us learned them from the time we were kids. And that's good. But I'm afraid sometimes that, that, that my familiarity, I could speak for myself, has enabled me to lose sight of what it is that Jesus is ultimately giving us here. What he wants to provide for us when he teaches us to pray. Because I think what Jesus is doing in light of his kingdom is he's giving us a daily reminder for life according to the way of Jesus. But he's giving us this, this kingdom anthem that's designed to remind us what this life is to be about and what it is that we ultimately need from him. Right? So he's giving us a way to daily, routinely come back to the things, reorient us to to what we are doing here, why we're here, and what this is supposed to be about. Like, I, I 
I can be scatterbrained. Some of you know that all too well. Like I find myself consistently, regularly, like I'll start a text message back to somebody and my brain, I sent that text message. And then like three days later when I hadn't heard back from them, I look and it's all written, it's all there. I didn't hit send. Like somewhere between writing that text message and hitting send, something happened and I got totally lost. Right? And, and, and sometimes we'll share, I'll be going out to like the grocery store running an errand. She said, hey, can you pick up whatever? Yeah, of course I can pick up whatever. I get back home. She said, did you get whatever? I'll, I'll be right back. Like, <laughs> right? So I, sometimes when she gives me a list of things like going to the grocery store, she's like, we need bread and milk and butter and cheese, right? I'll, I'll create something to remind myself of the things that we need. So it's like, I'll like write a little song, I need bread and milk and butter and cheese. Like something that when I'm going through the grocery store, I'm not the only one. <laughs> I have seen other people singing in the grocery store. And something that, that, that reminds me of what I'm doing there. Like to this day, when I turn to like Philippians or, you know, I got to go to that section of Paul's epistles, I still say to myself, go eat popcorn. Right, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like it's just it's ingrained in there. Right? Jesus gives his disciples, these apprentices, this this short, memorable poem designed to remind us about life in his kingdom. I first I first saw this uh, taught or illustrated years ago from Tim Mackey, who's the Bible project guy, if you ever watched those videos. But he was preaching on, on the passage in Matthew chapter 6, and he, he showed how the Lord's Prayer is kind of divided into two sections. We can think of it in terms of surrender and reliance. And so I'm, I put up, this is the Lord's Prayer. Mark, you can leave this up here for a bit. He pointed this out. First, we see who we are addressing, and I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But he said, look at the two sections. The first section is, is highlighted with the word your and the second section is highlighted with the word us. The first section is a section of, of surrender. So we are reoriented to what it is that we're doing here, why we're here, and whose this is, and what this is about. It's about your name, and it's about your kingdom. And in Matthew chapter 6, it's about your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? So when we, when we pray, Lord, the, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are reorienting ourselves, reminding ourselves to who this is about. Your will be done on, on, in Batavia as it is in heaven. Your will be done in Geneva and St. Charles and Sugar Grove and Elburn and North Aurora and Aurora and Kane County, around where your will be done here as it is in heaven. This first section reorients us to him. This is about you. It's about your name and your kingdom. And I need to acknowledge that. To be reminded of that because absence of that reminder, I will quickly make it about my name and my kingdom. I'll revert back to making it about me. So we pray, we want your name to be honored as holy. To be set apart, entirely unique here in this place where, where, where sin and brokenness would attempt to, to tarnish your name, we want to honor you as the one who is holy. I remember hearing a story about uh, the football player Reggie White. 
who was just, he, I think he was second all time in terms of sacks, but just defensively was unstoppable. And he was also a deeply committed follower of Jesus. He, he I think later went into ministry and, 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 and he took the Lord's name very seriously. And they were, after his death, they were talking about telling stories and and one of the offensive linemen was talking about this drill and practice they were doing and they they had a good drill and they were all excited so they got after this drill they got uh together and they're shouting and hollering and they're swearing and and they were using the lord's name in vain and reggie white who was a defensive player said let's do it one more time and he lines up against this offensive lineman who is all excited and they go and he just obliterates him just just lays him on his back and he's just plowed over by raging and he goes i would just appreciate it if you didn't take the lord's name in vain you know like <laughs> we pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven we, we we have a tendency from this perspective to view these as separate spaces that one day we're gonna we're gonna leave earth and we're gonna go to heaven but that isn't the biblical vision when we pray, we're, we're praying, Lord, bring your kingdom here now. We're, we're praying that things would be restored to the way it was, this pre-fall garden experience. We want to move it in that direction. We want these spaces not to be seen as separate, but to overlap. It's not a, a, a future desire. It's a current one. It's our, our pursuit. So this first section of the Lord's Prayer, it reminds us of the, the first part of the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second section reminds us of the second half of the greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. What, what do we need then? How do we live this out in community together in relationship to our world? What are we going to need from God? These are all requests. The second section is, is, is our reliance on him. They give us each day our daily bread. It echoes back to Israel in the desert. When, when they're dependent on God for their very survival, when they would wake up in the morning and the ground would be covered with manna, and they would go and collect their very substance for that day in order to survive. Right? You are our substance, we pray. We need you to sustain us. We are acknowledging, we're recognizing, we are totally dependent on you. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We, we pray, we acknowledge, we recognize, we need you to sustain us. We are finished if you don't provide for us. And we need you to forgive us even as we are called then to forgive others. And if you've lived in this world for more than five seconds, you know how hard this is. We need to daily remind ourselves that because of Jesus, I am forgiven, and because I have been forgiven, I am called as a disciple of Jesus to forgive others. But this is paramount in his kingdom. And do not bring us into temptation. Right? In, in other words... As we live out this kingdom calling, as this kingdom vision, if we live according to the way of Jesus, as these kingdoms begin not to be separate, but they begin to overlay each other, we're reminded in this prayer to expect opposition. 
Know that your kingdom allegiance is going to be tested. And in the face of, of that opposition, we need to be daily reminded that we are reliant on him. We're reliant on him for our substance. We're reliant on him for our forgiveness. And we are reliant on him for our deliverance and our rescue. This is how Jesus teaches us to pray. For those living in his kingdom, but still existing in this world. Philip Yancey, in, in his book entitled Prayer, Does It Make a Difference, comments on this overlap of kingdoms. He says this, he says, When I pray, it may seem that I am narrowing my world, retreating from the real world into a prayer closet in Jesus' metaphor. Actually, I am entering another world, just as real but invisible, a world that has the power to change both me and the world I seem to be retreating from. This is how Jesus teaches us to pray. And then finally, it's the gift of prayer. The gift of prayer. When I was a, a high school student, I, I, um, it was the summer between my eighth grade and freshman year. I've, I've talked about this before. I went on this extended, I was 14 years old. I went on this extended mission trip. I didn't know anybody. Um, my parents dropped me off in Fort Myer, Florida, and then my team left, and we spent the summer in, on an island in Bermuda. Um, it's, it's not as nice as it sounds. Um, we were living in tents and, and part of this experience is that they would give time for individuals throughout the day to spend an hour in, in a, in a prayer closet. So in our case, it was just like this area where the brush had grown over. They carved out a spot, put a chair in there and you would go in there. I was 14 years old and I was expected to pray for an hour. And so I went in there and I sat down and I started to pray and I prayed for my parents, I prayed for my siblings, I prayed for my family, I prayed for everybody on the team, I prayed for everybody I knew and within like 20 minutes I was, I'd prayed for everything I knew to pray for. Like, I was like, what, what I was like, there's literally, I'm, I'm not making the, it was like a squirrel that ran by and I, I prayed for him. Like, I was, <laughs> give him a good day, I, you know, I, um, and, and I remember as I thought about this, I said, there's got to be, there's got to be, I got to be entering into something more than just bringing my list. Because at the time, right, praying for me was, was about what I was bringing to it, not who I was with. Look at the way Jesus addresses this prayer in Luke uh, eleven two. Whenever you pray, say, Father, our Father in heaven. At the core of the prayer is a relationship. At the core of prayer is a daily reminder of your adoption as the sons and daughters of God. It's the gift of prayer. And this is, this is unique to Jesus. If you go through and you read the Old Testament, you'll see moments like in the Psalms when, when Father is used, but primarily you see God addressed in like Elohim and and. That Jesus is the one who taught us to approach him as Father. The gift of prayer is him. Jesus gives us a, a framework for prayer that I, I'm convinced that he believes is critical and essential to living according to the things he's teaching us, living according to the way of Jesus. And at the very heart of it, the very essence of it is time spent in the presence of our Father. David Platt says that the primary purpose of prayer is not getting something but to know someone. When I think back on those 
seasons of life, those moments when prayer, when I've experienced it as, as obligatory or dry or where he's seen distance and I've become disillusioned. I think in almost all of those cases, I have made the object of my prayer time the list of things I need and want, and oftentimes very good things, things I think he would want, things I think that, that would reflect his kingdom, things I think I should be bringing to God. But in doing that, I'm failing to recognizing that it's, it's just him. He is the gift. He is why I come in. Pastor Brian has, has said frequently, he said, prayer is being loved by God. And I think that's right. I think that's at the essence of what Jesus teaches us. Jesus invites us to follow him in this rhythm of entering into relational time with the Father and to allow us to be able to come to seek him for everything that we need for life in his kingdom. It's about your kingdom, your will be done, your name be honored as holy. Give us your daily bread. Forgive us of our sins. Lead us not in temptation. We need you. We need to be daily reminded in his kingdom multiple times a day what we're doing, why we're here, and what this is about. And so this, uh, this morning as we close, I want to, Eric's going to come up, and instead of having kind of a closing song, I thought I might just guide us, if I can, in just a time of, of prayer. And I'm going to use the Lord's Prayer for this framework. It's, we're going to pray silently. I'm going to pray just a section of it and then give you a moment just to, in your own heart and mind to meet with your Father. And, and then um, I'll, I'll wrap us up in, in just a, a moment. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, just take a moment to let that sink in. Just meet with your father for a second. Acknowledge his presence here with you. Hallowed be your name. Your name be honored as holy. Lord, we come to adore you to acknowledge you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, remind us of our mission and purpose. We want to invite your kingdom to break in here in our homes, our families, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools. Lord, may your kingdom be here. forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Jesus, we come in a time of confession. 
and lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, we seek your protection, your deliverance. Be the one who sustains us, who rescues us. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning and I'll offer our benediction. You know, one of the things that I, I say every Sunday as we wrap up is that we, our prayer team is, is available. And um, if there is ever any hesitation, if that's something that would be beneficial, life-giving, good for you, and you're ever, you're ever sitting there wondering, like, they're busy, they don't have time. We, we have time. Uh, that's what we're here for. It's an honor and privilege to pray with each other. It's something that we value, and it's important, and so if we can do that, um, we are, are here for that, and I encourage you to take advantage of that. If you came prepared to give this morning, our generosity boxes are, are by our two side doors. Um, God is working in our community and in our church, and we're so grateful for the many, many ways uh, that your generosity has helped accomplish these goals and these purposes uh, for his kingdom. Now receive this morning's benediction. Go now in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who modeled to us a, a life pattern after time spent with you. Lord, help us to learn to do the same, to meet you in prayer. You are our Heavenly Father, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.